Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You'll be proud of this game, and you can do a great deal for football today. Great deal for all the players and the league and everything else. Oh, I see him looking. I'm closing. Ah! I was born in it. Molded by it. Yeah, they said they, they got to wake up with their piss out. You're talking about Rasool. Hey, what up? It's Mercedes Lewis here, aka Big Dog. When you listen to the Poor Man's Packers podcast, go pack, go. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Poor Man's Packers Podcast, the Roman Packers Podcast in the state of our minds. I am Spencer, joined this week with Todd and Billy. Hello, boys. Hello, hello. Good evening. Very important episode. The draft is over. This is the Monday after that we're recording. So a lot to go through. A very fun draft. I've seen a lot of people describe it as fun, and I would agree. A lot of pass catchers. A lot of exciting young players, um, 13 new Green Bay Packers. I guess I didn't even look at the undrafted guys, really, because we had so many damn draft picks this year. But an entire draft to go over, I guess, starting things off. Initial thoughts on this draft and the NFC North. I don't know who wants to start here. Kelly, you want to go? Sure. I get Like you said, Spencer, a lot of pass catchers in the draft, which is always exciting. Good to see us get some... Uh... Some new weapons for for Jordan Love to work with. Obviously, one of our concerns going into the into the draft was how thin the wide receiving and tight end rooms were, and we definitely uh, added some depth pieces there. Um, little surprise we didn't go offensive line or do more to address the the safety position either. So I I don't wonder if there's some additional moves uh, to come there. Yeah, that was I was a little bit surprised just. I kind of thought with Brian Branch being there in the second round, you know, in day two, and I think, was he available up to the Musgrave pick and after? I, be- and we traded I back believe with- so. He, he was just- available when we when we traded with Detroit. So it, it was interesting, yeah, okay. number one, to trade with Detroit, and then they go and get, you know, a guy that we could have used at a position of need. I just thought that that was, I just, I kind of thought that he was going to go on day two you know, earlier on. And then when I saw he was there, I was like, oh, maybe the Packers want to grab like the best safety in the draft. I think that was kind of the consensus. Well, there was, how about, uh, was it the kid from Illinois? Or no, that's a corner. Never mind. That was Witherspoon. Um, there was another. Anyways, we, we looked at an Illinois safety, though. We brought one in for a pre draft visit. Yeah, he wasn't one of the 
top. But anyways, yeah. so yeah, I don't know. I thought it was like what you said, really fun. I didn't hate the Luke Van Ness. I know some people didn't like it. Oh, um, we'll, we'll get into we'll get into that. You might <laughs> be that was, there might be one of them in this I, room. Yeah. So I don't know. I I thought it was really fun. It it's kind of drafting is really fun when your team's not very good. I think is the <laughs> yeah. takeaway that I took. It's like, oh, like we didn't do very well last season, but hey, like it's kind of fun on draft day. It's it's fun when you have a bad Packers season, meaning you're kind of picking in the middle, you know, like the Rashawn Gary or two at 12, I think it was, where it's like, oh, you know, you, you got to see how the top breaks. And then you still have that like mystery going on for who's going to be there. But I don't so it's know. like when there's not important roles to fill, like those aren't fun drafts, right? Like if you have, OK, you have your wide receivers, you have your edge rushers. And that so if you have those positions to your team's probably pretty good. You know, when you have all the question marks that we have and all the young guys, it's like, oh, like, you know, it's fun to go get some wide receivers and some edge rushers. And I guess especially like we were saying, when you don't take an offensive lineman or, you know, a safety until late, it's like your excitement level goes up a little bit, I guess, that it's not those type of players. But yeah, I don't know. It, Brian Branch, too. I guess I never really thought we'd go after him just because his RAS score wasn't very high. Right. So I don't know. But the NFC North, too, that was goofy. Like the Lions, who I thought have been very smart of late putting their team together, had a couple dummy picks yeah. and taking a running back that high. The Bears, I thought, had a decent draft. They took the Yeah, Florida's. a lot of people like the Bears. Yeah, because. They took Darnell Wright, who I liked, and they took that Florida defensive lineman who seemed pretty solid. And then the Vikings, I don't know. I didn't I didn't have much of an opinion. Everyone liked that USC receiver Addison. I didn't have much of an yeah. opinion on him, but I don't know. I was I, kind of fine with how everything shook out. I heard a couple people say that they reached on a couple different picks or whatever, which I thought was interesting. like guys that weren't even on the board, which is kind of like our style. You know, like, hey, we're going to pick up the third. We might, have, yeah, we might have done that twice, yeah. I was most surprised that Minnesota didn't pick a quarterback until whatever yeah. it was, the fifth round. I, when Levis yeah. was sitting there in the first round for him, I thought for sure that they were going to take him. So they must, I mean, obviously they must not like him, right? Like if, if you're the Vikings and there's a decent quarterback sitting on the board, or at least you think there is, you're taking him, right? I mean, right. I don't know. It's, especially odd. that late in the first round and they're shaping up to be another, you know, potential wildcard team or maybe win the division this year. So Right. You certainly wouldn't expect them to be in position to get another first-round quarterback next year. I would have been worried if they drafted Hooker. I'm still not mm. I'm not super happy that the Lions did because I think he could potentially be a guy. Everyone's like, oh, you know, he was injured last year, sure. Or he, you know, got hurt at the end of the year. And sure. they're like, oh, he's 25, I think, or he's going to be 25 by the start of the season. But it's like, and everyone's different, but it's like Aaron Rodgers is going to be 40 this year. It's like right. this dude could play for at least 10 years. Like who really cares at that point? But yep. yeah, I don't know. Interesting all around, but uh, we'll get into the Packers draft. And if we have time and it could age poorly, we'll talk about the Jordan Love fifth year option stuff that's going on. Because by the time you're listening to this, it might have already been picked up. It might not have, but we'll see. Either way, jumping into the draft. The Packers, with the first pick, as mentioned, took Lucas Van Ness, 13th overall out of Iowa. I mean, just a big guy. A goon, 6'5", 272 pounds, a RAS score of 9.39. And once again, if people don't know what that means, it's the relative athletic score, basically taking all like NFL players and uh, 
college players who have been part of the draft and putting all their speed, weight, uh, height, all that together into a, I don't know, a nice little number so you know how athletic someone is. And that seems to be what the Packers front office always goes off of. Out of the 13 draft picks, I believe 11 of them had an 8 or higher score. So that just lets you know what they're looking for. But Lucas Van Ness, very, very athletic, big dude, gigantic chin uh, from Chicago, Played hockey and was a Blackhawks fan. He said hockey was his first love, all that. Played hockey his senior year, too, and led the team in penalty minutes, which is always nice to see. Uh, trained with Kenny Clark and Aaron Rodgers this offseason. A little drama already. Oh. Mm-hmm. oh. Uh, he said not starting at Iowa, and Billy, you probably know more about this, too. It's more of a seniority thing. He had two guys who were playing, who started in front of him, who have, who I don't know, have been on this. He was only a what redshirt sophomore I redshirt sophomore yeah i iowa does that a lot with their their older players starting the the juniors and seniors and i mean after looking into it a little bit more it's not like van ness didn't have a lack of playing time he still saw over 900 snaps apparently right. the last two years so he was basically playing starter snaps without being out there for the first play of the game yeah does iowa i Somebody said that Iowa does like a heavy rotation too, though. So it's not odd to sub in and out frequently at Iowa. I don't know if that's true or not. If you saw any of that, Billy. Correct. Yeah, they do. They do cycle through their defensive linemen quite a bit. Yeah. So maybe even more impressive that he got 900 snaps over the last two. I mean, just there you go. Well, it sounds like the coaching staff was also surprised when he declared and they were like, fuck, they probably thought they were going to have this absolute monster coming back and wasn't the case. The other big thing was, uh, his COVID year when he was in college, entering as a freshman, he put on 60 pounds. <laughs> that is incredible. That's almost more incredible than anything else. Like, I well, think you we would all expect... put on a few during COVID, but he just tripled it. And you expect, you know, put on 60 pounds that he would be like chubby, right? He's not chubby. The dude is a freak. Like, yeah. he's he's Johnny Bravo meets Hercules. <laughs> Like, there you go. He's insane. Yes. And his nickname is Hercules, too, that he got from the team. Yes. Yeah. He, he's wild. He just looks like a throwback 90s edge player. I think I was talking to Billy, too. I mean, he looks like Kevin Green. He looks like uh, Bryce Pop back in the day who played for the Packers, won a defensive player of the year for the Bills. A lot of looks with him. Um, obviously, he didn't play a ton in college, a lot of snaps. But I do wonder if... You know, where he would have went if he went back to school. Uh, Justice Mosquito for Acme Packing did say that he heard that if Lucas Van Ness was still there for the next Eagles pick, which wasn't soon out. I can't remember how many picks it was behind. They would have taken him. So I guess feel a little bit better about that. I'm I'm glad we went with Edge, seeing how the board shaped out after. But what are your guys' thoughts on that? I guess maybe we should talk to Billy first, because I know he wasn't as happy with the pick as me and Todd were. Yeah. So, and Spencer, you and I talked uh, ad nauseum going into the draft. And I think I told you several days before the draft that Lucas Van Ness was the one guy I didn't want in the first round. I watched like one highlight tape. I was like, you know who I like? Lucas Van Ness. And Billy's like, I hate him. (laughs) (laughs) And, And let me be clear. Obviously, he's a Packers fan. I hope he works out. And if he becomes, you know, the player that the Packers expect him to be, then I will very happily admit that I'm wrong. But one of my concerns, obviously, is 
he played in a 4-3 scheme at Iowa, and now we're going to move him from a 4-3 scheme to a 3-4 outside linebacker, apparently. But I've also seen comparisons to like J.J. Watt and people saying he could play five techniques. So what he, position is the guy going to play? He's the same build That's as Preston question. Smith and Jared Allen. And uh, who, who did the Lions take last year in the first round? Hutchinson. Yeah, so he compares to those guys physically. Obviously, it's a little bit different, but I don't know. It's I feel like he's too big to be that tweener that you don't know where his best spot is because you know we've and people have brought up like that elephant role we had in the past with Julius Peppers and Nick Perry. And it's like I mean he can still do it, and I would like to you know they talked um, Goody brought up Z's name. I I never would without someone asking about him, but saying that he could kind of bring in that Z-roll too where you can move him around. I, we all know Joe Barry isn't very creative and probably doesn't know how to do that. But I like if you're going to have someone who you're assuming is going to be more versatile on the you know, on the D-line there, I'd rather it be him than, I don't know, someone who's too big or too small to be that tweener. But I don't He looks the part to me. It, it my other concern with him is he didn't have a ton of production. I mean, we just talked about how he had 900 snaps and yeah. his numbers don't don't blow you away. And I was talking to you yesterday via text, Spencer, and True. one of the other things that I don't like about him is he, it seemed like he got most of his stats, over half of his stats against some pretty bad teams. You know, we're talking Northwestern, Rutgers, teams that were bottom feeders in the Big Ten that Iowa handled pretty easily. I mean, Kentucky finished seven and six. He had a, a sack and a half, I think, in that game. Um, but against the three best teams that they played last year, Illinois, Michigan, and Ohio State, he had like a half a tackle for loss or, or something. So not one of those situations where he really showed up against the best competition. And I guess my other concern is he's just really raw. And that's that's not a – that's not – necessarily a bad thing because you can coach him up but when we thought that edge was a position of need in the first round and we saw how much our pass rush tanked after Rashawn Gary went out last year and I don't think anybody's expecting him back for the start of the season I would have preferred to see us take a pass rusher that's a little bit more seasoned in the first round and maybe be able to get some some help right off the bat yeah, that's fair. And I guess maybe you could, what was his name? Was it Will McDonald? Was that at the Iowa State edge? Yeah. Because he's a little smaller too, but maybe he would have been more pro ready. I just, I look and, you know, it's all always about potential in the draft. I really feel like he's a guy that a year from now, if he went back to school, you could very well see him being a top five pick. And there isn't very many times where we get the chance to take this type of ball of clay. And I think he has a higher ceiling than Gary too. I don't know what it is with, I love Rashawn Gary oh, and, wow. he's, and he's great, but Rashawn has this weird thing with his legs. And I've talked about this in the past. It's very dumb, but it's like, he's choppy. It's like, he doesn't get everything out of every push and lunge he gets from his legs. And you watch Van Ness and it's just, he's never going backwards. It seems like, like he's always going forward. There's no wasted movement. I don't, I know he didn't play a ton, but I'm, excited to at least see what happens with them they're very different too though yes. comparing the two is tough but yes. i think the one thing that gives me a lot of faith is just that the rashawn gary pick this is how i felt 
when we picked Rashawn Gary, I'm like, what are we doing? There's, we had an opportunity to pick guys that are veteran. And I just think, I just yeah. mean like more veteran at the position, more less, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Anyways, yeah. the Rashawn Gary turned out to be so great that I'm like, I, I'm in on this guy just being a pure athlete. And when you watch him, you know, he had reps against that. Uh, who's the, who were the two top? It was Paris Johnson, and he had reps against the Skaronsky. Yes. yes. And like, so they're not all wins, right? He got stymied by Paris, I think, once or twice on the on the clips that I watched. Mm-hmm. But a couple times, you're like, he's chucking Paris Johnson. Yeah, mm-hmm. he he bull rushed Johnson a, back into the lap of Stroud on one of those, and, that, and those were I freshman mean, that, reps. Those are redshirt freshman reps, I believe. The Paris Johnson. Oh, I didn't realize that reps. As I thought, that's what I had. Re- or I thought that's what it said on there. Is that some of those those reps against Paris Johnson were freshman reps, which is like he's just a freak. Like mm-hmm. he's just a bull. And so, like if and it's a big if, but if you can give him those tools, and if it's you know three four years down the road, but if he takes three four years and he gets those tools, you take that athlete and give him those tools. I mean, um, I forget who pulled it up. Uh, one of the Packers beat writers pulled up like. Here's the the list of, you know, outside linebackers or edge rushers that are his measurables, like his size and weight. Oh, it's and it was stupid. Like all of it was like all guys who are, you know, reaching up on the sack leaderboard. Right. Yep. It was insane. And it's like, OK, that's really interesting. Like really intriguing his size and frame. If he can put it together in the NFL, he's going to be a freak. But it's a it's an F. Of course, I agree. Do we trust Joe Barry to mold this ball of clay? <sighs> That's the problem. That's the problem. But Gary, I mean, Gary looks that's, really, Gary looks that, really good last year. I guess that's the benefit is the strength of Gary and Van Ness is that they're good bull rushers. You know, they use their strength, and it's like, okay, well, you can't really mess that up. They're running straight. You know, like contain yeah. and run at the quarterback. That's all you really have to do. So yeah, I don't know. I guess we. We'll move on to the next one because we do have 12 other players at least to talk about. Uh, The next pick, second round pick number 42 overall. The Packers took Luke Musgrave out of Oregon State. He compares to Greg Olson, Travis Kelsey, and Jelani Woods. I mean, we should just say both guys, their RAS scores are just ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, 6'5", almost 6'6", 253 pounds, a RAS score of 9.78. I don't know. It, it's you know during the process, all these tight ends were talked about, and maybe I didn't dive enough like deep enough with all of them because Musgrave kept getting brought up. But I was very surprised to see only forty-seven receptions in his college career. Which God, looking back at the draft, I'm like, God, this really is a very high potential draft because these guys really didn't do a shit ton in college. But uh, yeah, his dad and brother went to Oregon. He, he is the nephew of Bill Musgrave, the college coach. Uh, he only played in two games last year after the knee injury, but he did push through that injury and got medically cleared to play in the Senior Bowl, which was a big deal for him. Uh, not a great blocker, but he's willing, which is good. I think that's such a huge thing in Matt LaFleur's offense. The one guy who like, we've brought in recently who there was questions about that was like Romeo Dubs last year, and he turned out to be decent enough as long as you're willing. You know, that's half the battle there. Um and yeah, I don't know, came off as a very normal, nervous dude in his press interview, so I enjoyed that. But thoughts on Musgrave here, guys? Mm-hmm. Tight end, fun, huh? Fun, very fun. I I was big on Darnell Washington 
Yeah. But having these two guys, I mean, I'm I'm really excited. Musgrave's super athletic, and like like you said, can block. I mean, there's there's film of him out there blocking. I mean, it's it's not horrible. Um, but like the vertical routes down the field are fun to watch, and then even in the flat too, he just moves well. He's yes. he's fun to watch. So I was I was excited. I really hoping we would go tight end, and we did. So. I think that's a lot of fun. It gives Jordan Love, you know, an opportunity to have a safety blanket here. The thing I like about, and we'll we'll talk about uh, Tucker Craft too. But the thing that I like about the two tight ends we took is they're they're kind of different players, like you were saying, yes. Todd. Musgrave can move, you know, kind of that that threat down the seam. Maybe not as good of a blocker. It seems like Craft is pretty well rounded as a tight end in terms of uh, route running and pass receiving and and blocking. Um, Interesting to me that that we used a, a high second round pick on him, as you said, Spencer, coming off a knee injury. That just gives me a little bit of pause. But there were several players that we took that were kind of banged up and missed a handful of games last year that we ended up drafting. So maybe it ends up out being of, nothing. So out of character for the Packers, too, you know, because right. even remember the year we took Eddie Lacy. I was know, just going to say that. I thought he was off the board because of his toe injury, but ended up yep. taking him and. Obviously, we remember Justin Harrell way back in the day as well, who had his injury concerns. But yeah, I don't know. He's going to be, I don't know, I'm very curious. I, once again, it's just so much potential with this draft class, but I don't know. We'll see. Again, he's more of the receiving guy, and maybe Tucker Craft will be that in line. You know, we got we need the new big dog and big Bob. So it'll be interesting to see where DeGuar fits in all this. You know, once things kind of shake out, both the rookies get some snaps under their belt. And like interesting to see who's gonna because he's been pretty underwhelming, I guess. He has had to split reps with two other guys. So it's tough. But I just I'm excited to see where all that where that position shakes out by the end of the season. And I didn't hate DeGuara last year because he's more of that, you know like fullback type deal. So. Yeah, your H-back. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we see all three of these dudes on the field at some time next year, at some point next year. Oh, three tight end set. Ooh, heavy, very heavy. But mm-hmm. yeah, uh, moving on. Jaden Reed, the receiver out of Michigan State, uh, second round, 52 overall. Nice little, you know, I don't love everything Goody does in the drafts. I think these last two drafts, will end up being his best two potentially just because the first few have turned out to be not very good so far, I would say, but uh, moving back twice and getting those fifth round picks, which we use to take Wicks and Carl Brooks is pretty cool. I mean, we'll see if those guys turn out to be players, but we'll see. But yeah, Jaden Reed, not a big guy, uh, 5'10", almost 5'11". Only 100, well, he's not too light, actually, 187 pounds, but a RAS score of 6.74. So not super athletic, but he was very, very productive at Michigan State. He was drafted on his birthday. Very good returner. A lot of people had him graded out as the best returner in this draft class, specifically as a punt returner. So that'll be nice. Keyshawn was pretty good last year on punts, but even that first one was like at the goal line and he caught it over his head. So someone who's <laughs> punt returned a little more, I'm going to feel better about. Um, very confident player. He said he's not uh, just a receiver. He's a football player. He can do a number of things on the field, blah, blah. Kicked the Badgers ass last year. Billy, you probably remember that. I didn't watch many Badger games last year, but apparently what he had like the game winning touchdown and threw a touchdown and all that. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he was clocked in at 4.45 in the 40 at the combine, but uh, the vice president of player personnel, John Eric Sullivan, said that they timed him at 4.37 at his pro day. He is the third shortest receiver drafted by the Packers since the year 2000, only taller than Randall Cobb and Amari Rogers. Slot guy, but he can play outside. He played both those roles a lot at Michigan State and also did some handoff stuff. So I feel like we always reference this, but we don't see it as much the last few years. But it's like, oh, now we have our, our jet sweep guy again. Hopefully it's not Alan Lazard on... I, I keep I bring that up too much, but I yeah I just no it's stopping. worth bringing up any chance you get. It was horrible. And the other thing I want to bring up, I guess I could have brought it up when we talk about Tucker Craft, but we'll probably talk more about tight end stuff there. Bob McGinn brought up a good point. Actually, I listened to him and Ty Dune because I was just scraping for draft talk after it was over. Brought up a really good point about the tight end picks and the receiver picks here. And although they're very exciting and fun, as we keep saying this episode, you look at them and they're kind of replacement picks where we talked about DeGuara and he's more of that fullback role. But if you didn't miss on DeGuara and Jay Sternberger and Amari Rogers, you wouldn't have to use his draft capital on these dudes here. And we had to still very excited to have them. But what did you guys think about Jaden Reed? I like the pick. It's I think cool. we've Good. been missing we've been missing a slot. I think that's a big thing. The replacement pick thing, sure, I guess, but you're not going to hit on all of them anyway. So I guess that doesn't. I don't really think about it that way. Um, I did think. Uh, so one thing, if you've ever tracked like Steve Smith's, he actually has like a really really good record of he picks a couple receivers he likes every year and talks about them. Oh, and yeah. this was one of his guys. He's got like a really good track record of like. Hmm. Guys that he's like, hey, you get look out for this guy. I don't know. I thought that was interesting because in the past he's done a really nice job. But I like having a slot, like you said, works well in the motion, um, the motion game for Lafleur. And then yeah, just if we can have a slot that's actually going to be able to open up the middle of the field, that would be huge. I mean, we haven't had it in the past few years. Cobb was pushing fifty, and Mari Rogers never worked out. So it's just. We've been missing that, I feel like. Cobb got <laughs> Cobb got too much shit the last few years. He was one of the more reliable ex- pieces on the He was the reliable. Offense. 100% reliable. I just like, I feel like having that athletic presence yes. underneath is big. Um, hopefully, he's a little faster than what his, his uh, 40 time was because I feel like that's a huge... Four, running those sweep 4.37 at the pro day. That's yeah, pretty I good. Mean, that, that sounds way better than 4.45. I mean, yeah. it's just nice to have that speed underneath too to get open. So, I think this is my favorite pick in the draft. Actually, Ooh. being, I mean, as you said, Spencer, productive all four years in college. There aren't a lot of guys that that stay in school long enough to be that productive. Number one, um, but also doing it at Michigan State in the Big Ten, playing Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan. Um, I mean, he had a huge junior year when Michigan State had a great year and then last year struggled with inconsistent quarterback play. That's why his numbers fell off a little bit. Otherwise, I mean, he would have gone much higher than he did, I think, if he had consistent quarterback play. So I'm I'm excited about the pick. Like you said, Todd, I'm just I'm happy that we have a, a bona fide slot receiver. Um, because it has kind of been a, a black hole in the offense for the last few years. 
Yeah, it'll be interesting to see because right now it's like on paper, everything is fun and exciting. You know, we have, we have all these first and second year receivers and tight ends and the running backs are both very talented and have been very productive for us for years. But it's like, man, are we are we going to be able to put all of this together or how many of these guys going to hit or is it going to be a mess when, as I've kind of complained about a little bit too much, but I have my doubts about this offensive coaching staff and now... I mean, what what's the average age of the skill players on this offense? It's like 23, 24 maybe. It's wild. Yeah, so that'll be very interesting interesting to see how LaFleur puts a game plan together with these guys. Mm-hmm. Um moving on, mentioned him earlier, Tucker Craft, third round pick, number 78 overall out of South Dakota State. Uh he is 6'4, almost 6'5, 254 pounds, RAS score of 9.68. I believe they they were the one and two for RAS scores. Maybe if you exclude Darnell Washington. I would say Darnell had to be up there. Yeah. Either just way. His size. Super, super athletic. Again, South Dakota State. Um while watching the draft, uh, Leroy Butler announced this pick, and before announcing it, he said, "Oh, Jordan Love, we got you another weapon." And I turned to my girlfriend. I said, "It's Tucker Craft." And sure enough, I was right. It was Tucker Craft. Uh, he wears a backwards hat in his college picture. Looks to be we mentioned earlier the Y for the for the team. You know, the inline tight end, and we'll probably have Musgrave out wide or right next to him. Probably more pro ready, better blocker right now. It seems. Had a very weird conference call, which I shared with you guys earlier before we recorded. There's the there's the end where he says yes, sir, then yes, ma'am, and a lot of people have talked about that. And then he says, "Oh, I've been drinking," blah blah blah. But even the Ugh. the the last question Bill Huber asked him about the whole Alabama thing, which we talked about in our previous episode, how he had offered he could have gone to Alabama his last year and made six figures, and Bill kind of brought that up and. I mean, you can go and find the clip. He, Tucker awkwardly says he's not going to talk about it, but then talks about it and then hints at the SEC and how much money. It's like, okay, dude, very. He's a kid. Yeah. That's, that's that's the other. I thing. feel bad for him. That <laughs> I, it would be hard, right? How old is he? He's like what, twenty three? Yeah, I don't that's know. A good question. Twenty? Yeah, twenty one. He's twenty two. So you're 22 years old and you're being interviewed by the Packers media. Like, I don't know. Right. I, I can feel bad. I feel bad for him. He was nervous. And then now that's just on the internet forever. And but it's it, just, it's a it, tough, it, I mean. It was like a wrestling PR. promo though. If you listen to the whole oh, thing, they, know. they ask him and not even play everything for you. Cause uh, he brings up his agent. He's like, oh, I got the same agent as, as uh, uh, George Kittle and former Packer Robert Tunyon. It's like, he only represents uh. the best. And he's like, you, they were asking him like earlier about when he, you know, they're like, you're from South Dakota State. When did you think, you know, it was a possibility to play in the NFL? It's like, oh, when, when I was 19, I knew I was going to be mm-hmm. in the NFL. It's like, dude, you don't, you don't have to do this right now. Physically, it seems like everything's there. Obviously yeah. not the best competition he went up against. But if they're, you know, if the third round curse continues, it might be because he's a meathead. That's the maybe only he- thing I can think of. Maybe he's he's breaking the curse and he'll just get made fun of for I his hope. press conference forever. That's fine. Yeah, I hope so. Honestly, my biggest red flag might be that he was drinking before this conference <laughs> call with with the Packers. It's like this is this, it's almost uh, like a job interview, right? So yeah, I don't know. And, and then why do you admit that? Just oh, 
I love the visuals though. I think have you guys seen the call of when he got the call from the Packers and it it was like a grad party and I I actually Oh yeah, it was like in a garage or something, right? Yeah, it it yeah. looks like like I remember graduating when I was going to school in uh Sioux Falls and we had like a little party. We had a keg in the uh in the garage and it looked just like the garage it was they the were same at. garage. It very well could have been, maybe a little further south, but yeah, I don't either way very exciting pick. It's it's weird. It's a unknown feeling to have like two guys. I mean, such a young offense all together, but two guys who are going to be such a huge part of it. Mm-hmm. And they're both very inexperienced. He had his own injury last year too, where I think he only played in a couple of games. He had an ankle injury, so a lot of inexperience, a lot of injury concerns. Nothing too big in this year's class, but the deeper you go into it, I'm like, hmm. I I'm still very happy with this draft class, but. You wonder, hopefully, these guys can stay healthy and put it all together. But, uh, yeah. Moving on to defense in the fourth round, 116 overall. Packers took Colby Wooden out of Auburn, a defensive tackle. He's another big boy. Well, this was interesting. So, he his weight was listed at 273, but on his conference call, he said he was uh, 280 or 283. And then the scout that talked also said he could put on more weight. His RAS score is 9.24, of course, because all we really do is draft athletic guys. Uh, played all over the line, but was best inside. Good pass rusher, not a great run defender. Allegedly high character. I don't know, versatile, likes football, blah, blah. Hopefully he can help replace the likes of Dean Lowry and Jerron Reed from last year. Not asking much there, I would say. But he is, like we said, smaller than them. I believe Dean Lowry is listed at like 295. Um, so yeah, we'll see again, exciting. You watch his tape, but I'm wondering if these defensive linemen that we drafted are kind of that weird tweener type that will, you know, I'm sure a lot of guys can make them work in a, on an NFL defense, but again, with Joe Barry, who knows? I think though, this was a guy that had the frame to be able to fill out is what it sounded like. And yep, he is and it, nice to, nice to pair him with. You know, a, a guy who's you know in Wooden, who's good on the inside with um, Van Ness, who didn't look like he or didn't sound like he was great on the inside, more of an outside guy. Right. So, yeah, like filling that Dean Lowry role, but maybe a better athlete is kind of and like you said, loves football competitive. So feel feels like the Dean Lowry replacement pick. And if his pass rush translates to the NFL, I mean, that's something that we have just have not had from the defensive line outside of Kenny Clark. I mean, right. Lowry was basically just a run stuffer. And if he got within the same zip code of the quarterback, it was a win for him. So and he was always talked about as a pass rusher. That's what I, I don't. Got. Why did people talk about him as a pass rusher? I never understood. Why did people that. talk about him again? I've uh, <laughs> Dean Lowry. It is still amazing to me. I don't think there's ever been anyone who's played for the Packers as long as Dean Lowry. You know, it was like seven years and made less of an all. impact. It's unreal. He was just always <sighs> he, kicking around. He had that one. Wasn't that one against year in the Tampa? Playoffs. Uh, well, oh, I was gonna say against Tampa. He had the pick oh. against Jameis. The uh, oh, I was thinking he had like a couple good playoff games, but like those were it. Those were it. Like it really. He had a good twenty twenty one, but every other year he was just dog shit. I mean, the defense was so great it turned it around after he got injured last year. You know, no, that's true. <laughs> I know. And like you said, Billy, it's it's funny because you're talking about, you know, how our defensive line hasn't gotten much, much of a pass rush. It's like 
they haven't done much of anything outside of Kenny Clark over the last five years, right? So I don't know. I like getting some talent there, but we'll we'll see. It's you can't expect a ton from a fifth round pick. Moving on, the next fifth round pick that we had was Dont Dont. Dontavion. Dontavion. Sean Clifford. You Clifford was the next one. Oh, did I? I know you don't want to talk about Oh, okay. Okay. Well, we're not going to fix this in post. Sean Clifford, quarterback (laughs) out of Penn State. The one guy, I mean, the quarterbacks that they brought in were him and the gopher for the pre-draft visits, and nobody was excited about both of those guys. I guess Hooker we brought in, too. But yeah, Penn State quarterback was there for five years. He has a RAS of 9.04. He compares to Mitch Trubisky and CJ Beathard. I still remember one time going to, God, like a house party or something in Superior. And uh, a girl there was like, oh, CJ. And she was like talking to me. I'm like, CJ. She's like, oh, you look like my my friend CJ. And she was like going to Iowa at the time. And he was the quarterback. And then she apparently (laughs) knew him. So apparently I look like CJ Beathard. But yeah. Uh, Sean Clifford, the one guy I think that everyone kind of did not like that we drafted. Uh, yeah, Bill Huber said that he texted a scout about him. The scout replied and said he's awful with five crying face emojis. Uh, if anything, I think he'll be good in the room. He sounds like a really smart guy. His press call was pretty solid as well. That's about all I can say about him. He's athletic. He had a couple really long rushes in college but i don't know billy maybe you want to start off you've you're a big 10 football guy yeah so i I told you after the after we or well after i saw that we drafted sean clifford that van ness was no longer my least favorite pick so uh i guess that goes to sean clifford i yeah i never thought that he would be drafted i thought he'd be an undrafted free agent guy i mean he put up a bunch of numbers but that's because he was a four-year starter and (laughs) I'm not a Penn State fan, but just watching Big Ten football, the amount that I do, I watch, a, you know, a handful of games with with Penn State. And I just never I never saw any throws from Clifford that made me go, oh, wow, that's a that's an NFL caliber throw there. But he is a little athletic, which is which is interesting. Um, but. I I guess the other complaint that I would the other complaint that I would have is that he's three and a half months older than Jordan Love. We need a veteran QB, right? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Well, there wasn't a lot of good things said about him. and I feel bad. I do feel bad about it. Here's my real complaint with the pick is why in the fifth. Like, by yeah. all accounts, nobody was drafting him. That's my thing. It's like, I don't, I'm not like mad that he's on the team. It's the same thing with Deguara when we picked him. It's like no, he was on no one's board. So like, just wait. The four seventh round picks. If you really want him, pick him there. Like that's my thing. It's like I don't understand spending a fifth. Get it? It's just a fifth. Who cares? You really like him? Take him. But like, is this the guy you really like? Not. I mean, no offense, but like, nobody was taking him. So yeah. I don't know. That's my. That's my beef. And sometimes it's optics, too. You talk about the DeGuara pick. The DeGuara pick kind of sucked as well because they reached because they didn't have a fourth-round pick because they moved up to take Jordan Love. And, like, with this Clifford pick, it would have been nice if that trade back, if they used one of the picks from the trade back when they took uh, the receiver 
that they just use Clifford and be like, well, you can't complain. It was a free pick and we blew yeah. it on a shitty quarterback. So I don't know. We'll see. Seems like a nice guy. He cried and shit when he got drafted. So good enough for me. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Uh, next, uh, Dontavion Wicks. Very easy name to say. The fifth round pick, 159 overall. Uh, receiver out of Virginia. Six foot. Uh, 206, RAS score of 9.17. He's the one guy that kept popping up in like every mock draft in the mid rounds for the Packers. He did have a pre draft visit with them as well. Um, he had a pretty great 2021, not so good 2022 with the new coaching staff. And that kind of seems to be the theme with this year's draft class again, which I've said too many times on this pod. But it's like either very raw guys who d- didn't produce a ton outside of the Michigan State wide receiver or guys who were better in 2021 than they were in 2022, which is interesting. Um, Not great hands. He said he had some concentration drops, which is kind of a weird thing to admit. Um, And he does, you know, he's decent on contested catches, they say, but doesn't separate. That doesn't always translate well in the NFL. I don't I know a lot of people really like him. Again, he's very athletic and all that, but... I don't know. We'll see. You guys, you guys like Mr. Wicks? Hmm? I don't love when we get these wide receivers that don't catch the ball. That's not like a huge thing Ooh, for me. Fair. Now, I mean, that was the big knock on him, right? Is if he didn't have, he had a decent amount of drops. I think PFF tabulated them for the last few years, and it was like it was not very good. It, it, but I mean, it, if sorry, you can it, fix it, 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 everyone says like everyone. Sorry to interrupt uh, again, but oh, you're good. Everyone like online, they're like, oh, well, Devontae had drop issues and Jordy had drop issues. And it's like, so did Jamon Moore. And he was fucking yeah. awful. Like, we can we look at more recent things? But sorry, Todd, keep going. Yeah, I, and it he could fix it. A hundred percent he could fix it. But yeah, it just doesn't make you feel great when it's like the concentration drops and stuff like that. I don't know. But that's that's what I was going to say. Concentration drops like that's that's coachable. And. I mean, there's a reason he went in the fifth round and drops is probably a big part of it. So you you spend the pick on a guy that, like you said, Spencer, big junior year, banged up a little bit last year, you know, new coaching staff, take a flyer on him. If it hits, great. But, Mm -hmm. you know, going in the fifth round, you don't you don't have a ton of expectations. Yeah, especially once again with it being a free pick. And I did like the spin in the media. I don't know if he was if the question was framed to him that way, but he said, well, although he struggled a little bit last year, he he learned a new offense. So now going to the NFL, it'll be easier to learn a new offense. So uh, cross your fingers, oh. maybe maybe that'll be the case. Um, moving on, Carl Brooks, the defensive tackle out of Bowling Green, sixth round, 179 overall. Not a Rass boy. I think he was the last bad Rass boy, a 5.87. He is 6'3", 303 pounds. He was very, very productive at Bowling Green. 
uh, disruptive, but again, not great against the run, which is a theme. I don't know why. Well, it, it does seem like every year that like defensive linemen and even receivers are getting smaller, but maybe that's just me. Um, known for how explosive he is, Brooks was credited by Pro Football Focus with 62 pressures last year, which was the third most in the wow. FBS. Uh, he led the Falcons in sacks four times. And so it was in 2018, 19, 21, and 22. Uh, Pro Football Focus. Oh, I already said that. I think he's like the definition of a tweener. We'll see what happens, but very, very productive. I don't know. You get these guys. It almost reminds. I always. I don't know why it always pops up in my head, but like production guys who aren't always the right size. I think of DJ Williams, the Arkansas tight end that we took in like. 2012 2011 and he was like the most productive tight end in college football that year but oh and then every year every year in the spring he impressed in shorts but once they put the pads on <laughs> nobody disappears so this is the other side of the ball but i don't know i guess we'll see on him i don't know what you guys think seem like an instinctive guy i guess mm. yeah not the ras score but um from what people are saying about him seems like he knows the game and like you said he's productive and stuff but i don't know that's a I th- was it this the guy too that they had this last year he was less productive because they moved him outside a little bit on and off or something like that i can't remember if that was what i had heard about this guy or not but um yeah sounds like a, a fun little pass rush rotation guy maybe would be, be kind of fun yeah next up of a very good pick anders carlson the kicker out of Auburn. I can't remember. I think he was the third kicker taken. The other SEC kicker or the Michigan kid. And then the Alabama kid might have been taken first. But yeah, we drafted a kicker in the sixth round, 207 overall. He tore his ACL in his plant foot in 2021. Not a good long range kicker. Billy, I know you looked at those numbers too. It was something like, what was it? Over 50 yards. He was hitting it at like 25%. Five Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Not very good. He is Daniel Carlson's brother, which is great because Rich Basaccia, our special teams coach, helped change him and turn him into a very productive kicker for the Raiders because uh, his, you know, uh, Daniel Carlson was really bad kicking for the Vikings in Lambeau Field when they tied that game. What was it, like four missed field goals in that game? So we have a Carlson who historically is are awful kicking at Lambo, but we'll see he's six five too like a jk scott type just a really tall boy so we'll have to see but billy why don't we start with your thoughts on anders yeah i i started out not liking the pick just you know you look at the stats and it wasn't very impressive but you know if if this is Bisacci's guy and he thinks that he sees something in him and having worked with his brother and obviously made, you know, huge improvements with his career, kind of resurrecting his career out in Vegas, you know, then I, I guess I'm going to defer to Bisacci and trust him that, uh, you know, he sees something and maybe part of the misses were, you know, the injuries to the ACL and then he missed time with the a shoulder injury too last year. So it, not a ton of draft capital, sixth round pick. The last kicker we took in the sixth round worked out really, really well. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. hopefully this guy does too. Funny how that was connected too, because uh, Carlson grew up in 
Boulder, Colorado, or grew up in Colorado, and then Mason went to Colorado. So nice little connection there. There you wow. go. The more you know. Todd, are you excited about the pick? I just love that his number one strength at, on like the NFL draft profile is brother is a kicker. Like, oh, <laughs> sweet. <laughs> nice. And he has three strengths. That's one of them. The other, oh, one of his other strengths is tall. Uh, possesses good size. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Brothers kicker and tall. Those are his two of his three strengths. And, and then his weaknesses are only makes seventy one percent. Struggles to find consist- consistent kickoff depth. That's good. Uh, slow operation leads to blocked kicks. <laughs> Highly inconsistent on mid range kicks. Made just five of seventeen field goals from fifty plus yards. Uh, going zero for four since twenty twenty one. So I'm like, this is great. He's tall, and he has family in the league. Well, and that's what's. Again, back to the ACL thing, too. We've had such bad luck because we've been trying to get like a Mason replacement the last two years. And even last year in the preseason, um, I don't know it was if it was Ramiz, I think the guy who we had in, but he like pulled his groin in warm up. So Mason had to suit up. He was even going to play and he had to play. And then it, it happened twice last year where we had kickers that were going to play. I think we called the guy up from the practice squad who was going to take the kickoff duties, but then he got hurt during the regular season. So Mason had a kick in that game too. So I don't know. I guess I wouldn't be surprised if there's some type of Brett good um, training camp deal where they have this battle between kickers and they're like, man, both of these guys suck. And then they bring Mason in for the year anyways. So I don't know. We'll see. Very exciting stuff. Moving on, uh, Carrington Valentine, the corner we drafted in the seventh round, 232 overall. He's a very good RAS boy, 9.3, which compares to Marlon Humphrey and uh, Marshawn Lattimore. Not super tall, 5'11". We'll see. We now have a Valentine and a Valentine on the roster with Corey Valentine, the reserve corner. Uh, from last year, we also have Jordan Love. So there's Love and Valentine, whatever. I didn't dive much into this guy. Did you, do you guys know anything about Mr. Valentine? I just looked at a little bit on him. Uh, apparently bites on double moves a lot and Perfect. isn't like a, isn't going to come up and defend the run. Ooh, so. He's going to fit right in. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't have a nose for the football in the run game and double moves are script tonight. So, um, cool. but athletic and i think he's fairly long right wasn't that one of his oh, uh, six five foot? yeah five eleven not not super tall terms. but yeah I don't know. okay i know a lot of guys seem to really like him i think didn't you say kuiper liked him i guess so yeah kuiper liked him said he was i think he said he could be a starter or something like that i don't know if he's a yeah it, a it looks like he is guy. looks like he has good ball skills 10 deflected passes last year um yeah but only one interception is in his career. So that's, I don't know if it's, if it's a hands thing or yeah, maybe he just wasn't getting thrown at it at Kentucky. But, you know, like, like I said, with the the fifth round picks, take a flyer on a guy and in the seventh round, and it's not like he's going to be asked to do much, you know, special teams. And maybe he's like a dime corner this year. So, well, and if you can get an elite athlete in the seventh round, get an elite athlete i mean if he's got yeah. a nine plus ras and you can pick him up in the seventh round i mean might as well grab him that's usually right. how it seems to go to it's like re- high ras or special teams abilities and these guys this year too have a lot of just about everyone has some type of special teams ability too like even van ness 
blocked kicks, you know, and both the tight ends talked about how they like playing special teams. So we'll see on that. Um, Lou Nichols, the next pick, seventh round, 235 overall, a RAS score of 7.83, running back out of Central Michigan, but he does compare to Packers legend Cedric Benson. Uh-huh. Oh. He, he led uh, the FBS in yards in 2021. Once again, another guy who had a better season in 2021 than 22. He can catch the ball well. He is uh, from Detroit and said he doesn't mind playing in the cold. He was injured a bit last year, I think at the beginning of the year, and had to push through. And he had the same running back coach at Central Michigan as Aaron Jones had in college. And he said that he watched a lot of Aaron Jones tape because of that. So nice little touch there. I like him too. He looks kind of like Eddie Lacy, kind of a bigger, thick boy, and he's got the dreadlocks yep. too. So I'm excited to see him. If you have watched any of his tape at all, I, okay. Poor man's, poor man's Packers spot. Poor man's Marshawn Lynch. Ooh. We're talking like very poor, but at the same time, like if you watch him run, he's kind of like, I don't know. He just gives me like, I don't know if it's like the, the shoulder shimmy when he like turns the edge or like when he's making a move up the middle, but like kind of reminds me of Marshawn Lynch a little bit. So I take of the day, I guess. But I mean, I like him. I think he's, he looks like a really fun back and at 220, I like the big boys. I like his vision. I wonder how good he'll be because I really soured on AJ Dillon last year. He seems like a great dude and stuff, but God, the Plotzilla, I the yeah. first half of the year was just brutal in my books. And then at the end too, like he wasn't that great. I don't know. I don't know about how great the line was blocking, but I know he took a dive. Billy, I I think this pick probably seals Dylan's future in Green Bay after this year. Yeah, I mean, like I like wonder. you said, Todd, a power back, you know, reminding you yep. of Marshawn Lynch. I mean, that that's AJ Dillon's role is is the power back, you know, short yardage, right? So um maybe get some snaps this year, otherwise move into that that backup role behind Jones um and let um Dylan walk. I I like and, Patrick Taylor. I thought he was a good you know, glue guy last year, but Tyler Goodson too, the Mm -hmm. undrafted rookie out of Iowa. I wonder if he's going to make some noise again at training camp with again, Dylan being in a contract year drafting this guy. I'm curious to see a full year in the NFL. If he shows up, Uh, I like, I like Nichols too out of the backfield. He had 70 catches in three years, which is pretty good for a running back. That is pretty good. That's like 70 more than AJ Dillon had in college. (laughs) 69 Uh, more. (laughs) Uh, Moving on. Probably my, and this is, this is just over the top, but probably like my favorite guy out of this draft class. If you, if you're looking like pick by pick, you know, maybe won't be top performer, won't be top performer. Anthony Johnson Jr. out of Iowa State, the safety, seventh round pick, uh, 240. I, that, I have 424 written down. There's not that many picks in the NFL <laughs> draft. So some combination of 424 Two, is what he was 240, taking. 242. Okay, there you go. 242. Uh, RAS score, 8.13, 5.11, 2.05. He compares to Major Wright. Physically, um, played corner his first four years at Iowa State, then was moved to safety. He was Pro Football Focus's uh, 69th ranked player 
he saved a game, I don't know what year, by running down a receiver and forcing a yeah. fumble at the goal line. A lot of people really love him. A lot of people thought he... And that's what was cool or what I liked about this year's draft and having so many picks. And, you know, every year the guys on NFL uh, on the NFL Network are like, oh, this is this draft is going to be crazy. No one knows what's going to happen. And it wasn't top heavy talent wise, but the middle rounds is where no one knew it was going to happen. And you had a lot of these guys who I mean, so many guys, it's like they could have gone in the third round or the seventh round. And Anthony seems to be one of those players. Ben Fennel really liked him. He said he could be a starter in this Packers defense. Uh, tough as nails. Excellent top-down instincts. Blah, blah, blah. He could see him sliding into Amos's role day one and have, you know, rather large production for a seventh-round pick. I So I'm a loser nerd. I listen to every, like, live press conference that Matt LaFleur has, Goody has, and all that shit during the draft. And I usually listen to most of the player interviews. And this dude, Anthony Johnson Jr., Blown away. I've listened to it forever. I and Todd, we talked about this in 2013 when we were in college. Still all-time legendary was BJ Coleman, yeah. the uh quarterback out of Chattanooga, who said who told Mike McCarthy he was gonna be the best draft pick in Packers history, which is just <laughs> absolutely fucking hilarious. But Anthony Johnson Jr. was so impressive and they're asking him about, you know, well, why did you switch? And he was like, you know, I was ready. He was going to declare for the NFL draft as a corner last year. And his coach was like, hey, man, like you can do that. But all these guys think that you project to be a safety in the NFL. And then the dude talked to some scouts and some agents. They were like, yeah, you know, you probably have a better chance as a safety. So he's like, okay. So then he goes back to school, changes his entire life for a year, goes back to school and plays safety, ends up being a seventh round pick. But if you go and listen to his interview, it is he loves football. He sounds so damn smart. It's <laughs> this might be a bad joke. It was like the Joe Biden where it's almost like he had the questions before the presser and he was prepared because <laughs> he had such great answers for everything. So he's I he uh he's gonna wear number thirty six as well, which is great. I wonder if he's gonna push for a starting job because you watch his tape too. He's not afraid to hit. He has great ball skills. I don't know. I'm I'm looking forward to hearing his name and seeing his name pop up in tweets during training camp. Hopefully, pushing for a starting stop, well, starting spot. Well, and we talked about it at the top, Spencer. I mean, that safety room is just so. Then right now the door is wide open for him to to come in and push for a starting job. Yeah, it's because it's and everyone right now because it's Rudy Ford, the um I forgot his name, but the guy who was starting for the Niners for the longest time, and uh, Darnell Savage are the three safeties we have on the roster, and they're all on one year deals. Mm -hmm. You know, so it is wide open, and I don't know why they wouldn't lean that way with him when he's got a rookie contract and he's going to be with the team for four years. So we shall see the next draft pick grant Debose. That's not how you say it. Mm, yeah. Dubose. I don't know. Debose. I Dubose. You know, I Debose. That's what it is. Cause Dubose, it's Debose. Yeah. It could be Debose and dubs on, you know, playing wide out seventh round pick 256 overall. he, athletically compares to Devontae Parker, but yes, wide receiver out of UNC Charlotte. I guess it's UN Charlotte. 
Six foot two, 201 pounds. Uh, like I said, RAS score 8.79. But you watch his tape and every receiver, every tape you watch for a receiver, it's like, wow, this guy looks good. You know, I mean, it's it's a college <laughs> highlight tape. But his catches are just very contested. I don't know. He just leaps over dudes. He looks lean. He looks yep. fast. To me, he looks like an NFL receiver. My hot take, and I know I just had a hot take with uh, Anthony Johnson Jr. I think this guy's going to at least, I think he's going to be better than Wicks. I'm going to put that, my oh. flag in the sand there. I was never blown away with my expert mind watching Wicks play and watching Grant play. I'm like, okay, this dude, and he's you know going up against much lesser competition, Charlotte, but exciting. I don't know. We have a lot of fun pieces of clay at the wide receiver position now. Yeah, I like the the versatility in the wide receiver room too, as a guy who's like kind of a, seems like a contested catch guy, you know, go up and get the ball. But also like when you see him get the ball in his hands, he, he turns up field and he becomes a runner real quick. Like he's, he, yeah, fun he, he to makes watch. guys miss. Yeah. He's a after the catch guy too, as much as he is a 50, 50 ball guy. And what is he? Um, six, two. So yeah, decent 50, 50 ball potential. So I don't know. He's he's a lot of fun. I like him as a as a you know even a screen pass guy, wide receiver screen or something like that. He looks like he's got good vision, good with the ball in his hands. Yeah, kind of fun. Yeah, we'll see. He looks like he could be a special teamer as well. I don't know about the them other guys, but I don't know. It's it's going to be a bloodbath at the wide receiver position this training camp. Like, because what is it now? Because we have Watson, Dubs, uh. To Ray, Bo Melton. Yep. Bo Melton, who was a pre-draft visit last year and a lot of people liked. And then for this year, it's Reed and Wicks and DeBose. You know, that's seven guys right there. Plus, I I still think it's like you have to sign some type of veteran wide receiver, don't you? You, you can't yeah. have Christian Watson and Romeo Dubs be the most veteran guys in that room. I can't imagine... And I don't know how good of a coach Jason Rabel is. A lot of, I don't watch tape, but I watch YouTube videos of guys breaking down Packers tape. Mm, just and good. a lot of yeah, just as good. I'm just as smart as yeah. him. And a lot of times last year, it did seem like you know Rodgers would not have great games, but then they'd look at the tape and be like, wow, you know these receivers really aren't in the right spot. All that, so I kind of blame Jason Rabel for that. But at the same time. Going from having Devontae Adams and Randall Cobb in that room, and then they're both gone, it's like, that is a lot to ask. And I'm still hoping that Corey Davis gets cut by the Jets. I don't know. There's not a lot of other great veterans out there. But it's just, how often does that happen when you only, you know, the most veteran guy in a room is a freaking sophomore, you know? Yeah, that is a little, that's concerning for the whole offense, too, to be honest. I mean, aside from, what is it? Bakhtiari is the senior, the senior member of the entire offense. I feel good about the offensive line. Yeah, the offensive but, line. I'm just saying the entire the offense as an entirety. Like, put your best eleven on the field, and like you said, the average age is like 22. It's a well, little bit concerning. Did we talk about this on the top? I know I brought it up with Billy earlier. Uh, how how old we are? I'm I'm 31. Billy, you're older than me. Todd, you're a little older than me. Uh Pat O'Donnell being 32 and uh, Bakhtiari is a month older than me. That is it. Those are the two <laughs> older guys than me on this Packers. It's literally 
Pat O'Donnell is 32, David Bakhtiari is 31, and Preston Smith is 30. That is it. That is how Preston young Smith is only 30. Yeah, right. Everyone says he's old. He but looks it's like he looks older than not that who am I to judge, but he's a thick boy. He's always whenever you see the pictures during training camp or practicing, it looks like he has like a fanny pack. Like he's got a little pouch. I guess I would I would have just guessed like I don't know, 35. I would not have guessed God, that's that's old. Okay, that's, that's old. I, I would have I would have guessed 32. Or 31. I don't know. It age is I'm just sticking with now. 35. It's 35 okay. in my head. That's fair. But uh that you guys have anything else on the draft? Fun, exciting, all that? Did anybody no, I don't have anything else. Did anybody pick up on any of the uh undrafted guys that we got? The Florida the Florida kid that got kicked off two teams? You mentioned that, and Excited. again, because there was so many draft picks this year, I didn't even look at the undrafted guys, because just about every year an undrafted dude makes it. But yeah, we yeah. a Florida edge who got kicked off one team and then got kicked off Florida's team before the start of the season last year. But the year before that, apparently, he was really, really good. Yeah. So I don't Maybe we need a couple more knuckleheads. Well. <laughs> Yes, we've got Quay already. <laughs> I still, I feel so bad for Quay. Like he had the knucklehead moments, but there have been such wor- like he they they were accidents. They were accidental pushes, and he immediately regret it. Regret it. Like also, look at shit that Warren Sapp would do back. Yes, in the day. that's so what I was gonna say. Let's get out of here. I like, was gonna Quay say you go back, look at like Bill Romanowski or like any <laughs> of those guys. Like not even blips on the radio. Quay could do 10 times worse and it wouldn't even be on the radar in the eighties and nineties. Like, yep. I don't know. It's just, I feel bad for him too, but yeah, that's cause I was at that lions game last year and you know, when he got kicked out, but then even seeing like the, the clip when he's in the tunnel and he's like crying and walking down, I'm like, God damn it. Quay, why'd you do this him. to that? Going back but, to the, the undraft, it's the one name that popped out to me was Benny Sapp, a cornerback from Northern Iowa. Um, Started, like I've heard that name started before. his career at Minnesota, transferred to Northern Iowa, third team FCS All-American last year, and his dad played in the NFL for seven or eight years in the the oh. mid to late 2000s. So um, the bloodlines are there. So I'm I'm excited to see what he does. I where did he play? Where did his dad play? Benny Sapp sounds familiar. It does. Is he like Benny Sapp Jr.? Uh, his his dad played at UNI also. He played for the Chiefs, uh, the Vikings, and the Dolphins. Was, that's what it is. He played for the Vikings. I remember hearing his name playing for the Vikings. Had to have been that. How the, God, that's the other thing, too, with how old we are seeing uh, Joey Porter Jr. drafted. Yes, that's it, wild. It, I liked like him a LT's lot, too. LT's nephew or son in the draft, too. It's Really? so that makes you feel pretty old we are old and we are washed unfortunately moving on the last thing we'll talk about with this very fun draft episode and once again could age poorly maybe i'll even just you know very quickly i'm gonna check twitter here to see if there's any new news on this not seeing it not seeing it okay jordan loves fifth year option (laughs) So if you were listening to this now, you now know that uh, the next segment 
has already aged poorly. On Tuesday morning, Brian Gunkunst gave Jordan Love a one-year contract extension worth between 13 and $22 million, depending on how well Jordan Love plays. We assume we do not know what those escalators will be in the contract, but good move by Goody. Very smart to not just give Jordan Love the $20 million up front and instead hedging a bit. Very smart move. Therefore, the following conversation was strictly for entertainment purposes and should not be taken seriously. Again, strictly entertainment purposes. So if you want to skip ahead and not listen to it, go ahead. That is it. Thank you. Now, again, I keep repeating myself. I know I probably come off pretty negative on Jordan Love. (laughs) But right now, I am a Jordan Love guy. Aaron Rodgers is gone. That ship has sailed. Hall of Fame quarterback, gone. Goody. He keeps telling us, hey, this guy's ready to play. Jordan Love is ready to play. All right, cool. We got all these weapons for him. All right, this is going to be fun. Let's see what happens. And then at the end of Goody's presser, Bill Huber asks about Jordan Love's fifth-year option, kind of a throwaway question. And Goody's like, oh, yeah, we're still working through that. I got to talk to some people, blah, blah, blah. We'll see. And then Bill was like, well, why wouldn't you pick it up? And... Goody replies with, well, it's a lot of money for someone who hasn't played. For those who don't know, so fifth-year option, you know, after your first three years playing, it, you before the, your fourth season, you could pick up the fifth-year option, and it's like the top, it's the average of the top half of that position or something. For quarterback, it ends up being $20 million. So if the Packers pick up this option, instead of only having Jordan Love on the hook for next year, or this year, 2023, for $3 million, we would have that plus 2024 for $20 million. And it's hearing Goody say it, it sounds like they're not going to pick up that option. And you hear $20 million, you're like, oh, that's a lot of money. Uh, Mike Lennon, Mr. Mr. Big Neck. Remember him? Remember when he signed with the Bears, I think the year that they drafted uh, Mitch Trubisky? He signed a three-year, $45 million contract and got $16 million that first year. With NFL inflation with the salary cap, that's pretty much $20 million. If Brian Gutekunst trades away Aaron Rodgers, I know he's old. I know he's a pain in the ass. I know he's a prick. I know he's an asshole. I know last year wasn't very good. I think he would be better. I think he... If you move on from him for one year of Jordan Love, when you changed the entire direction of this franchise in 2020 by sticking your neck to draft him and you have him play one year and then you want to move on, I I, I would be furious. Even if he sucks next year, I pick you pick up that fifth-year option to at least, if nothing else, take that pressure off this kid who's already going to have so much and you're putting him what he's... He, he's handed the keys. He's now the... Th- you know, Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love. That's a lot of pressure. And now you're going to make it a contract year. So if he does suck, he is out. Even if you want to move on after however he plays next year, you can do that. Aaron Rodgers' contract is off the books in 2024. Salary cap is not going to be an issue. I cannot think of a positive for declining that fifth-year option if you think Jordan Love is any good unless you're just trying to save you that is the only thing todd you seem like you I, wanted to argue against this at the beginning i'd love to hear from you now. well i do like the point that you made i will just start out with the taking the pressure off him because i do think that that's a fair point taking the pressure off him and not making it a contract year i think would help 
Gordon Love, I just mentally, right? Aside from that, I think so you got the twenty million on the table. I think <clears throat> financially you look at it and you go, Hey, let him play five games and let's negotiate. Let's just see where he's at. He freaking sucks. Maybe we can negotiate him lower and still keep him. Like you can still keep him, but maybe you can negotiate him lower than twenty million for a year, and maybe you can lock him up for two years. I'm not saying if he sucks, sucks, then maybe it's a different story. But like you can negotiate with him halfway through the season and maybe still do the twenty. Or if he's freaking great, sure, maybe you are on the hook for a little bit more. But if he's horrible or if he gets injured in those first eight, nine games, then you are saving a little bit of money. So I can understand the idea of not pick, at least entertaining the idea of not picking it up, I guess. Like from a number standpoint, I feel like it may benefit to not pick it up, but I could be wrong. It, it just doesn't make sense to me because all off season, everybody within the organization has been singing Jordan Love's praises and he's our guy and, you know, talking about the strides that he made last year. And so it just, it doesn't line up to me then that they're not going to pick up the fifth year option because they're giving him the public vote of confidence, you know, with their words to the media and whatever, but now it's time to put your money where your mouth is and what bigger vote of confidence and Jordan love than to pick up the fifth year option. And you're going to say, yeah, that's a lot of money to, to pay a guy that hasn't played. I mean, <laughs> don't, true. don't, don't we want to try and get as many games out of Jordan Love that we can to figure out if he is the guy? Like, if he comes out next year and he's average, mediocre, and we don't have the fifth-year option, then what? Then the decision is even harder to make. Clifford. And, and it could also, you know, if we don't pick up the fifth-year option, it could also tell him that they don't have the confidence in him, and if he goes out and blows up, then he may he may not want to resign in Green Bay. Who knows? I, th- I think that's the I think that's the biggest thing now. That point of giving him the confidence to go out there because I do think that that matters, especially for a quarterback, especially for a young quarterback too. Like to have them stand behind him probably does mean a lot to his confidence. So I I think that I'm changing my tune a little bit on it. I think for that, just for that alone, I think has a lot of value. I I just don't get it, and we don't know much about Jordan Love, but I mean he he looked pretty nervous in that Chiefs start. You know that was two For years sure. ago or whatever. For but sure, I the positives do not outweigh the negatives. You're talking about a potential, you know, a different contract. It's like you can give him that fifth year option now and work that around whatever type of contract if you want to extend him. That's fine. For me, the biggest thing, and I think Goody has been. I don't know. I give him like a B borderline B plus on being GM since he's taken over. But at the same time, if you, if you could ask me if we could start time over from 2018 and potentially have a different GM and head coach than we have right now, I would, I would do that. I would do that just because I truly believe, and we'll see what happens with Jordan Love. That's the huge question mark here, but especially now this doubt, and especially if we don't pick up this fifth year option, what was the plan? What was this plan? And the mismanagement. And I used to always defend the Packers for, you know, it's oh, you had Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. And you got two Super Bowls. Like you mismanaged this, you know, that franchise. Since Brian Gutekunst took over the Green Bay Packers, I don't know if you can mismanage the quarterback position much worse than he did. 
In 2018, we traded for Deshaun Kaiser, who was a guy that the Packers liked in 2017 and almost took in the second round. So that was reported during that draft. It was obviously Goody's guy because once he became GM, one of his first moves was trading away Demarius Randall for Deshaun Kaiser, who eventually got beat out by one Tim Boyle. Very talented. Very, very talented. We like Tim. You move on, you move on to 2019, probably his Goody's best year managing the QB spot, but he almost, and I've talked about this, I think, on the last podcast too, he almost took Drew Locke with a 12th overall pick instead of Rashawn Gary. Jason Wildey reported that there was internal messages preparing the staff for Drew Locke to be drafted. So the next year, what do you do? Rodgers, who throws, I think it was 26 touchdowns and four picks. He had just as many touchdowns and less picks than Patrick Mahomes. A huge regression. You have to draft the quarterback of the future, right? You have to. So in 2020, they move up and draft Jordan Love. I would say, sure, Jordan could still be a great player. I keep saying that. He absolutely could be. Financially, it still never made sense. When you got drafted Jordan Love, it's a four-year contract. You know, Next year is the last year of that deal. Goody gave Aaron Rodgers a four-year contract, which, guess what? Overlapped. It was the same amount of time. This whole rookie contract thing, you know, that's a huge benefit. We never could benefit from that. So that's 2020. You drafted a quarterback when you did not need to. Everyone still, uh, you talk about the regression from Aaron Rodgers. Well, he went on to win MVP that next year, right? So he wins MVP. That's great. Rodgers goes to Goody. He's like, hey, you know, they're off-season talk. He assumes he's getting a contract extension. Goody says, nope, actually, we want to restructure your deal. Rodgers gets pissed. You know, we don't see him that whole offseason in 2021, but he eventually comes back. So what do you know? He wins MVP again. And guess what? You give him a new contract. You give him a three-year extension for $150 million. So once again, you go back. You look back to the previous year. If you were going to give him this contract extension, how much fucking money do you think we would have saved if we gave him that extension he asked after being the MVP one year? Now you re-sign him to a deal, make him the highest paid player after he won two MVPs in a row. So now you create this mess after giving him that extension, which was a mistake. And now this offseason, you trade him away and give Jordan Love the keys. And now you might not pick up the fifth year option. It's like, Clearly, if if that is what happens and Jordan Love isn't the guy, what was the fucking plan here? Because if if Aaron Rodgers did not win back-to-back MVPs, and again, last year we went 8-9, and nine, one game out of the playoffs, and Goody in that presser after we traded Aaron Rodgers away, he's like, they were asking about it and you know how risky it is, and he's like, well, we were 8-9 and nine last year. We have to get better. The dude just won back-to-back MVPs. He's a prick, all that shit, but it's like, if Rodgers did, if he wasn't out of this world amazing in 2020 and 2021, we would have moved on to Jordan Love then because Goody wanted his guy. And now his guy's here and he's like, eh, I don't know. That's that's what I live with. That's that's what pisses me off and why I, ha- I don't, I feel bad for Jordan Love. I just hate that Goody put the franchise in this position. I think in the plan, there was two problems. Jordan Love wasn't ready to play a couple of years ago and probably not even yes. last year. And Aaron Rodgers, I mean, he was not expecting Aaron Rodgers to go out there and went back. I mean, back to back MVPs at 37 and 38. I mean, mm-hmm. wild. 
So those threw a huge wrench in whatever plan he could have possibly had. But I, I completely agree. If you have that confidence, you're willing to throw Aaron Rod- kick basically kick him out the door every chance you get. I mean, he's he's right. literally the only reason he's still there is because he's pulling draw fours and winning MVPs. He's like, yeah, you can't get me. I got the draw four. You know, it's a, it's wild. You know, so I gotta stay here. But it's like it's insane because it's like, yeah, that that's a good point. Now he's like, well, I don't really know if I like Jordan Love that much to give him the fifth year option after I drafted him. You know, in the first round, pissed off Rodgers. You know, moved up, moved up to draft him. <laughs> it's, and uh, and uh, I think I said it before too. You know what year would have been a good year to draft a quarterback? This year, yeah, you know, butterfly effect. I don't know where we would have been, but there was a, a couple decent, you know, hooker. I don't know what he's going to end up being. I know nothing about the kid, but I know he's very talented. He's hurt and he's old. He's a guy that would have been there wherever we drafted. You could have taken him in the second round, whatever. I don't know. That's a whole no idea. But it's just when in especially living in Minnesota and we've grown up around Viking fans and you see their torture of not having a quarterback. And now we're willingly, gleefully turning the franchise in that direction to a question mark. I just, I don't get it. I would rather, I would rather have two years of sucking rather than one year of being one game out of the playoffs and moving on. But this is also how people felt moving to Rogers, but, but Rogers never talked about Rogers didn't talk about retirement until the last two years, Favre every year leading up to Rogers, even getting drafted, you know, getting drafted. He was talking about Rogers said he was going to play until he's 40. What do you know? He's playing as a 40-year-old this year. And he year, probably so. will retire after this year. I, well, he said he said at, after his presser with the Jets that uh, it, it wasn't a one-year thing, or he said it was going to be more than one year. So I don't know if that'll hold true. But did you, have you guys seen Hackett's goatee? Less no. important things? No. I oh, my will. God. It is so bad. Yeah. B- Billy, I, sir, you were pretty quiet there. I don't know if you have anything to add. No. I, I already... Uh... Made my thoughts on the matter known. Okay. Yeah, God, I gotta find this. It's so. Is it in it's his? So bad. Is his headshot on the? No, it's not. No, on I think you have to page, search it's Twitter. Not. It's it's just really bad. But I don't know. I guess we can move on. I don't know. I again, I hope Jordan Love's gonna be good. I think he's going to be set up for success. But the other thing that's part of it is, if Jordan Love isn't the guy. If we find out this year he isn't good, he isn't the guy, I don't think Brian Gutekunst has earned the right to pick the next quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. I yeah. want him gone. I wonder if, what, Jordan, if Jordan Love is bad, I want Brian Gutekunst gone. I wonder what the scouts like internally think. You know, just like what you said with you know the Deshaun Kaiser, the being so hot on Drew Locke. And then I just I wonder what if if he is actually heeding the advice of somebody else. Or if, if he actually, because he was a scout. I mean, he comes from scouting. So it's, I mean, I think it's conceivable that he's making these decisions. It's not somebody else. Like, I don't think he's just delegating this stuff. So it is interesting to see the quarterbacks that he's picking. And then this year you look at two, it's like, okay, it's Clifford and the fifth. I mean, I don't know. It just doesn't seem, and who knows. I'll, you'll need one to pan out, but it's just, it's kind of wild. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, we'll we'll see. I don't know. Either way, I'm going to be very excited for this year of football here. I'm trying to reveal the hack it. Okay, I kind of see it, yeah. 
awful. Absolutely awful. He looks like, a, I wouldn't even say an evil villain. He looks like a guy who's, I don't know, hangs out at the local bar by himself or something. I don't know. It's a terrible, it's a terrible goatee look. Well, but, let's not uh, bash those guys. Good guys true. out Every, there. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone, you need characters <laughs> everywhere around in your life. You do so, need characters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But with that, I don't know. Anyone you guys really wanted? Any guys, any guys you were like, ooh, I really like this one. I mean, JSN, thoughts? I mean, would you have, Billy, uh, your pick, if you would have had anybody else at 13. Ooh, there you go. Who are you taking? Uh, I wanted JSN at 13. Fair. I mean, I think. I would have taken a tackle if somebody had fallen to us. Sure. Um, if but if Darnell Wright was there, yes, Darnell Wright I liked. I liked Skaronski and I liked Paris Johnson. So once all three of those guys were gone, then I wanted uh, JSN at thirteen. There is. It's such a good example, though, of we don't need G- JSN. We have JSN at home for drafting <laughs> Reed for Michigan State because it's sure. like, oh, here he's our slot guy, and guess what? He can return punts too. Yep, that is funny. What would, what would you have taken, Todd? I guess probably JSN. I mean, that's yeah. I probably yeah. JSN would have been the pick. I we're all, we're all dumb. But I'm, I'm not yeah. upset about taking Johnny Bravo. I like Johnny Bravo. I think he's gonna no. be fun. I like it. Was like <laughs> I think everyone like Packers Twitter just got too hyped. Where it's like, oh my god, he's actually there. Oh my god, it's actually there. And I'm like, okay, the I'm hype. throwing the phone. The phone's on the other side of the room. Let's see who it is. Uh, Oh yeah, uh, and and then I dive deeper. I'm like, okay, well, I think he's pretty good. That was actually, that so. was the exact same thing. The year we took, uh, uh, who's oh my god, this is horrible. Who's our outside linebacker? Clark. Rashawn oh, Gary. Rashawn Gary. I was like, yeah. oh my god, there's so many people on the board. Who are we gonna take? Who's Rashawn Gary? And you're just like, I, what the hell? I but, didn't know who Gary was that year either. Yeah, because that was the Brian Branch year. We wanted Brian, or no, not Brian no. Branch. Um, Brian Burns. Brian Burns. Um. What's Carolina. his name had just come off the board? Ed, out uh, he went to the Bills. I want to say Ed Oliver. Ed Oliver. Ed yeah. Oliver had just gone. I I really wanted Ed Oliver. I thought he was going to be our guy. And then he was gone, and then it was like, oh, Rashawn Gary, who you've never heard of, and he's projected to go late. Sweet. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. It worked out. So hopefully this out. one will too. That's why. I, like I said, uh, look, I'm just an idiot sitting behind a computer for a living, not doing <laughs> NFL stuff, obviously for a reason. So not that kind of computer. It, if if I'm wrong, I will happily admit it. So let's uh let's reconvene yep. in three years and we can see if I'm an idiot or not. Yep. Excellent. Perfect. Maybe we'll find out sooner. I hopefully you'll admit that you were wrong sooner because yes. he's going to have to get some snaps in early with maybe Gary's ACL late January. Hmm? That would be something that, that would, would be wild. I have, I have I no, I've, I have no idea how the, the team could win two games next year. Yeah. We could win 13 games. I next have year. It really would no expectations. Me. None. Yeah. I just, it's just, I'm along for the ride. So yeah, absolutely. Well, with that, I don't have anything else. I don't think you guys have anything else, right? Nope. Not a perfect. Well then Eric Koskinen, please don't sue us.
Billy and Todd. I am Todd. And Todd's got a mustache and a bit of a beard going on, too. Real thick, too. Okay. Very. And uh, Billy, you almost have some five o'clock shadow. Maybe maybe a bit of a mustache going on. It's been a few days since I shaved. (laughs) Do you still ever throw in, like, the free free recording? talks at the end i feel I like ha- you haven't done that in a while i haven't because it's been on zoom but i will i will uh, use this this will be at, thought, uh, at the end now because we because it used to be like my favorite thing to listen it, at the it end. was it was the best it was always funny like talk what you always used to like ask questions or whatever well because i'd always check the mics in person with andrew and just ask true stu- you know stupid questions and he can talk about whatever forever so that's that is that's actually a skill he has he whatever forever Forever. Yeah.